welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, sitting here with Thomas Patrick Dorian. Yes, sir. And Ziggy Rodriguez. That's me. We are here, and we are loving being here. Um, that was my tell. segue. That was my little segue into the show. We're gonna get Deacon Shep a new segue. I wrote, yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> like the host with the most, Deacon Jeff Brzezemski. Yeah, yeah, let's not do that. Let's I wrote into that. the studio on a segue. It was glorious. Yes, I can only imagine. <laughs> it has little streamers, you know. Yeah, I love that image, by the way. That's so cool seeing you do that. Yeah, you got a ticket for going too slow. So <laughs> I just had a little little bell and a little horn. That's know? right. That's right. Hey, whatever floats your boat. Sam Ziggy Rodriguez. So we are wrapping up our little small mini series uh, into the, uh, the the theological virtues uh, of faith, hope, and love. And this is the one on love. So this is uh, our episode number three in this little series. And uh, and again, just a r- real quick recap, like what the theological virtues are. I uh, just want to hit home what everyone always uh, is a little bit of a uh, a stumbling block for many is the idea that um, that we don't we can't make these virtues. We we, right. we can't do things that make these virtues happen. The only thing we do is do things to make these virtues more available to us. Yeah. Right. So that we can so that we can receive more. So we can receive more faith, which would mean where we would say to grow in faith is really to receive more of the gift of faith from God and God. Yes is the sole source of faith, hope, and love. Uh, and uh, and also, just to remind ourselves of St. Paul when he talks about faith, hope, and love, and then he even says uh, the greatest of these is love. And that's one of the reasons why that's one of the most popular wedding readings. right? You hear that at weddings all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, love is patient, love is kind, all these different things that love is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, these three... Uh, remain faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love, uh, also translated as charity. Uh, and so we're, we'll be using both of those words kind of interchangeably, but there's one maybe a subset of another. I, we can get into a long discussion about if there's a difference between charity and love, but the reality is, for the most part, we can use those words interchangeably because they come from the same source. They come from God, mm-hmm. right? And and we remember, uh, I remember when uh, when Joseph Ratzinger, became pope and was pope benedict and his his very first encyclical mm. was deus caritas est everyone thought he was like because he was called like the pope's rottweiler or the german shepherd they called him right when he was the prefect for the congregation of the doctrine of the faith and they thought man this guy's gonna be really rough and hard and they, mean and, and they said that he looked like emperor palpatine yeah, like I that know. was like a joke that people made all the time yeah because yeah. he seen, it seemed like man they're gonna start to crack down here it comes you know right. they're gonna be blowing whistles and giving out vatican tickets on people and the, and the reality is <laughs> vatican t- what, I, I got one with my segue <laughs> i know you do <laughs> too slow <laughs> The church moves slow, and Sam, in demonstration <laughs> of a this, metaphor. Yeah. No, but but uh, but but his very first encyclical, I mean, like literally out of the straight out of the barn, you know, was God is love. Yeah. And and how beautiful that that was in his deep dive into the love of God and that God is love uh, is is really powerful. So 
this idea of understanding what charity is, maybe we need to go and sort of like finding a, a definition. What does a church say? About this, well, I think actually it might be good for us to begin with what Saint Thomas Aquinas, uh, one you, of the you doctors of the wrong. church, right? <laughs> exactly, right. You can't go wrong. I mean, I mean, one of the great doctors of the church. Right. We have a lesser doctor here, Blessed Tom, or no, <laughs> Venerable. We have Venerable yes, Tom. You He's do. still waiting on a couple of miracles. Yes, you do, Venerable Tom. But this is. St. Thomas Aquinas. So St. Thomas Aquinas, he's got a a definition of charity that I think actually might surprise a lot of folks because he he actually... Let me guess. It's giving things to people in need. Is that right? (laughs) No. No. no, It's not? Well, because that's what most people think, right? That's the first thing when you talk about like when you're doing your IRS form. Right. Right? Charitable donations. That's true. And we all... That's that's our go-to. But what I love about the saints is, is... you know, to some degree, we'll say they live a little bit on the nutty side. Sure, right? we, sure. They're, they're always a little strange to us. Why? Because they're really not nutty, and they're really not strange. They're really tuned in to God right. in a profound way, and they're really countercultural because our culture is really the nutty, strange thing. And yeah. these saints that live extreme lives and think extremely in, in, about God um, are this. That's why they're founts of wisdom. Yes, right. And that we have a doctor here. Uh, uh, St. Thomas Aquinas and what how he defines love. So, well, we're, we're, this is, so he has a different definition between love and charity. Okay, so let's talk ch- charity. But, but for charity, charity, he defines charity as friendship with God. Right, and see, that's like, and and we might go like, well, what does he mean by that? Although, like, if we just pause though for a second, our Protestant brothers and sisters, or separated brothers and sisters who might be listening, um, they might be surprised to hear. Um, that definition, right? Because many associate uh, the person having a personal relationship with Jesus as being like an evangelical Protestant thing. But right. here, here we have a saint, a Catholic saint from the 1200s, defining charity as friendship with God. So obviously, this is not something that begins with uh, Protestants uh, in terms of the notion of having a relationship with God, but uh, and with Jesus specifically. But um, but here's the thing. So. To fully unpack this notion of friendship with God, we need to uh, we need to unpack what friendship is for St. Thomas Aquinas. Yeah, see, and there's, again, there's a kind of a different, there's some things that, like, when you start to unpack what what he says about friendship, um, th- that's, um, that causes us and forces us to, like, think different things about God. Uh, not bad things, but, like, to, to see God in a, in a, in a different light. Uh, like, for Aquinas... True friendships rooted in, in persons having unselfish love for each other. Yes. Right? And willing the good of the other for the sake of the other. Right. And so and so there and that's And know, we've heard that definition when we talk about love sometimes yes. in the Catholic Church. We're talking about two people in love. We're talking about when I'm doing marriage prep and, and like what is what all all this is, but we hear the word unselfish. Yes. Right. And we hear this willing the good of the other for the sake of the other. Right. And so love is like love is the principal expression or act of of charity, but charity as a virtue is that friendship with God. But friendship requires also there it also requires commonality, right? So in the normal course of friendship, you know the fullest possible friendship is friendship between equals, right? You know two people who can really receive one another, right. and really have that that a lot in common with one another, and within that context, they can um, you know 
will the good of one another for the sake so of So, like, other. if Tom comes into the room and says, my best friend is LeBron James. Yes. You know, which I don't think well, you should have him well, as the best friend, but that's just the, that's another story. Well, we know that Tom's a much better basketball player than LeBron, and so that's an, that would be an unequal. Oh, I see what you're doing. I see where you went with that. <laughs> but so, so, typically, you wouldn't hear... Like some kids say, my my best friend is Taylor Swift or whatever. Right, right. right? Uh, it's like, but does she still charge you a thousand dollars to go to her show? Right, right. Not much of a friend. <laughs> no, because we see, like, even in in our humanity, there are people that are on these other planes or other echelons. When we're talking right. about stardom and fame, and and I'm not saying those are good or bad things. What I'm saying is, you you don't see a lot of friendships there, right? Because there's not a commonality. Exactly, exactly. It's a it's a you know, and and so. There's a problem here because commonality between two humans is one thing, but commonality between humans and their creator, like if their creator is an infinite and eternal God, right? So how does that happen, right? Because only God is equal to God. And so for humans to have a friendship with God, that's only possible if God gives us his very self. Right. And it's it so often we we read in our scriptures and we understand the theology from a Catholic perspective that how God humbled himself yes. right taking the form of a slave where he he God lowered himself to us yes right and that total self gift and so we see where Aquinas gets that this idea of willing the good of the other for the sake of the other yes right and an unselfish uh, unselfish love for each other where God. I don't know. We, we're going to get into heresy real quick. If we start saying, "Well, God made us His equal," right, right? Right. It's like, well, but no, no. But at the same time, He lowered Himself and made Himself, I, I guess, accessible. Yes. In, in a in a humanity uh, to humanity, and so where God then, um, you know, makes it so that there is a commonality, especially, and this is most realized in Jesus Christ, the second yes. person, uh, divine person of the Trinity, because. That's why it's such an important thing. And this is why we bow at the mention of the incarnation during the creed during mass. And why the Eucharist is the so, the source and summit of our faith, right? You know, it's at, you know, and of course it's our, at our baptism when, which is the spirit of the adoption of the children of God, when the divine indwelling of the Most Holy Trinity begins, right? And so, you know, with charity, the divine life—it's the divine life within us that only God makes possible. Now we we assent to it and we uh, we, we make ourselves available to receive it. But it's, like you were saying at the beginning, we can't manufacture that divine life right. within us. And we're not getting it from anywhere else. Right, exactly. There, there, you can't go down to Target and buy, I need another box of charity. I am running low. <laughs> I'm running low on charity. And so I hope it's on sale this year because, man, last time, the, you know, COVID and the supply chain problems and charity is getting more and more scarce. Exactly. Right? It's, the price is going up, right? And that's we might think that way, and the reality is we can't. Buy more charity. We can't do it that way. Well, I mean, and the fact is, I mean, if we pause for a moment and think about the, the divine life that God places within us, like at our baptism, the divine indwelling of the most holy trinity, you know, if you divide if you divide infinity, you still get infinity, right? And so literally God is giving us his whole self, each of us. Um, and, and so in that same regard, like in each of us as baptized Christians, we have literally... Uh, all, all the power that is responsible for all the miracles of the, all the, the entire history of the church and our salvation history uh, is there within that divine. Right. Indwelling. You don't have one 
one quadrillionth or how many people there have ever been on the earth. Right. You don't have it. It's not divided. I, my, you know, my wife and I for years have talked about the fact that we have nine kids and we'll tell them, you know, and, you know, especially when they're little, that like, I love you all the same. I love each of you with all of my being. And they go like, well, how is that possible? Right, because they're going like, there's nine of us here, so we're at at best, you know, they're doing the math in their heads, yeah, because they just had math class at school and they were yeah. taught that if you have nine apples, you take one away, you got eight, right? Right. In their minds, they're going like, well, so I really only have one ninth of your love, right? And that's the way they think, and that's the way human beings start by thinking. But the reality is, if love is sourced from God, who is infinite, and His love and His uh, that that charity is infinite, yes. Well, then you you have that little piece of infinity yes. in you. And we take this down to the very core, down to the smallest uh, morsel of a piece of a host. Yes. Right? We, 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 we lay corporals out on the altar for a very good reason. Right. Because even in the smallest identifiable fragment that like if you know, if Father you know holds that host up and breaks it in front of everybody during the, during the fraction right during Mass and little pieces of the host might spill off of the out of the sacred vessels right onto the altar um that's jesus that's yes. all of jesus mm-hmm. all right. of jesus is in that little tiny fragment that's why we that's why we care about this that's why in scripture they gathered up all the fragments right mm-hmm. at the feeding of the 5000 and they had 12 wicker baskets full right right and which is very symbolic of the 12 tribes of Israel the 12 apostles the foundation of the church and you see this idea of like all this is wrapped up together and it is all tied to the infinite love of God who is the source of all love yes and it's like that's some mind blowing stuff mm-hmm. absolutely and 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 of course it's charity that's lost when a person's in a state of mortal sin, right? So now you can also lose faith and hope when you're in a, a state of mortal sin. But sometimes, even in a state of mortal sin, you can still retain some version of faith and hope, and and that and to bring us to repentance. Well, this is, the, and those are the things that will take us to confession. Yes, right? exactly. Right? It's just the fact that you're 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 still tied to the theological virtues of faith and hope to a degree, they can be wounded, yes. sometimes lost altogether. Yes. But but let's just say wounded to the point where you're going, I need to go to confession. Right, right. Right, because I'm out of God's love, and that's not just out of his favor. Yes. Right, you're not able to give love, you're not able to be unselfish because you were selfish. Yes. Right, so it's like, it's really cool to see that interplay and see this language we're using. And so if we're in if we are dead in our sins, you know, if if we are in a state of mortal sin, right, then it's because we have lost that divine life within us that makes friendship with God possible. Uh, and and going back to what you were saying earlier, the the, the principal act of charity is love. Um well, actually, maybe we should look at what the catechism, how the catechism defines charity. Yeah, again, this is where it, it gets kind of tricky because so often, you know, when you go into the Latin roots, they have the same Latin root, charity and love. And sure. there's a part of me that always goes like, well, look, I don't want to get into defining them differently, but I suppose if, you know, you know, some great saint somewhere like <laughs> Thomas Aquinas, <laughs> if he saw like something that needed to be discussed and showing that there there was a difference, one being the subset of the other, maybe, uh, you know, then we need to we need to understand to some degree what that is. But I love how the Catechism defines charity by saying, charity is the theological virtue. We, remember, we told what theological virtues are. Yes. 
Charity is a theological virtue by which we love God above all things for his own sake and our neighbor as ourselves for the love of God. Right? So we see the God's love in love of God and love of neighbor, right? Yeah. But again, we see the word love used there instead of charity. Um, although I suppose you could probably say charity is a theological virtue by which we have charity towards God and whatever. You know, you can start to get confused mm-hmm. pretty easily. And, and what I say is, don't worry about it. <laughs> right, right. right no, just, fair. You know, let's just in love, right? Let's just be in love and let's understand that, that all of that comes from God, uh, you know, in his eternal, infinite charity. Well, and if you have charity, if you have that friendship with God, if you have that divine life within you that makes friendship with God possible, then that charity is going to bring you to love, right? And But love in a way, like if you read that definition, like so loving God above all things, right? Charity is hard. You know, in fact, I would say it's impossible without God. Uh, last week we talked about how like fasting and other forms of sacrifice and penance are acts of hope. You know, those acts of hope, they help make room for charity and they increase in they, it increases that divine life within us uh, when we make those acts of hope and it increases our ability to love God above all things. But like, let's put this in perspective for a second. This might be counterintuitive for some of us, but let's say there's some moment of just catastrophic su- suffering in our life. A moment where we say, my life is never going to be the same yeah. because of this. Um and it's sometimes very hard for us to offer up those sufferings uh, in union with Christ crucified, especially right then and there, you know. But that is actually to do that, to receive the sufferings of our life, uh, in to make an offering of them in union with Christ crucified. And that's key because yes. you're actually, you're not just like, wallowing in self-pity right right that's not redemptive suffering that may be suffering but it's not redemptive right redemptive is when we take that suffering and we essentially say some prayer from our heart that says lord i don't know why i'm going through this but if you could just take all this and use it for the good of salvation of of the world and for others what you're actually doing is you're essentially putting yourself on the cross yes right you are carrying your cross and so then it becomes this this act of selfless love. An act of charity, and it's an act of friendship with God. It's an act of loving God above yeah. all things and saying, I'm going to put God first. And I'm going to say that at the end of the day, even though I may not understand the God's permissive will and why he permitted this thing to happen to me, I'm going to trust in the goodness of his permissive will, in my friendship with him and the divine life that within me that makes that friendship with God possible. And I'm going to choose God to, to, I'm going to choose to love God despite all this. And I'm going to love God in a way that's above all of this. And I'm going to trust that it's eventually going to make sense if it doesn't right now. Yeah. Tom, before we, you know, when we came in, we're getting ready to start this show. You, you, you actually said love is hard. It is hard. (laughs) Talk about like a little bit about from your perspective, what, what that means. Let's talk about your, your marriage. I'm kidding. No, no, no. no. And and in fact, I'm, I'm thinking in terms of Cindy, I mean, it's for her. Love has got to be hard. She's sacrificing all the time just for my sake and for God's sake through, Mm -hmm. uh, you you know, that. So, um, I I think love is very challenging. Love is difficult. Right. Everyone talks about these things like you have to work at your marriage, right? You have to work at loving others. Um, and honestly, 
you know, there's sometimes I think, and this is not your case with Cindy, but like there's sometimes there are people that really bother us and we're supposed to love them, right? And then yeah. it was like, oh, you, you say love through like clenched teeth. <laughs> we're supposed right? to love our enemies, too. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and see, that's the thing. And it's not just, it's not just tolerate or accept or don't pick on or don't fight or whatever your enemies. You have to love them. And it's like, okay, wait, that's not easy. Well, so... And especially when you look at the definition that we have in the catechism again, because it's loving our neighbor as ourselves for the love of God. Mm -hmm. A lot of times we just stop at love love our neighbors as ourselves, right? Or or I'm going to love this person in a self-sacrificing way, and that does the trick. But no, it's we have to love our neighbor as ourselves for the love of God. And that's key because we live in a culture right now that a lot of times conflates loving with pleasing. If I'm not pleasing this person, I'm not loving them. If I'm, uh, or if you're not pleasing me, you're not loving right. Happy me. Right. feelings, yes. happy, warm and fuzzies, romantic, right? Exactly, and so and then we can have that all misplaced, and so right. we have things like the you know hashtag love is love, which is something that um, I want to say like in its purest sense that's correct, right? But that's not really what's going on there. Yeah. What's going on there is 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 redefining love right by some people to say that this is actually love where i would say yeah that's not love right. now really that hashtag be you know hashtag lust is love right which is not well so yeah right? love and, and, and so yeah. that's where you're you're saying that people can get kind of confused and will say things and it requires us to essentially take an unbiblical untheological um essentially errant view of love which is really usury or yeah. uh like using somebody yeah objectifying and then saying that's love when it's not love right our love of neighbor must be for love of god our love has to comport with our faith to be truly capital l love that's right and we're reminded of the little uh little uh bible story our bishop likes to say pericope little pericope uh, in scripture where, where you know, a, a, a guy comes up to Jesus and says, Master, you know, uh, which is the greatest commandment? Right. And he says, here's the greatest commandment. And he said, love God above all things, you know, right? And then he says, the second one's like it. And it's like, love your neighbors yourself. And so you stop and think like, so this guy wanted one and he got, it was the two for one special. <laughs> And it's it's ultimately there's some power in what Jesus said. Obviously, there always is, and we're going to always agree with that. But we have to understand what he's doing there. He's saying, look, you cannot love your neighbor and not love God. You cannot love God and not love your neighbor. Right. So that's the check, and that's the check. Like for me, it's a difficulty for me. Yeah. Is I'll say I love God, and yet I have a real problem with a lot of different people in my life. And it's like, okay, well, then are you really loving God? Yeah, because we have to love God above all things, including we have to love him above our uh, the, the things within us that cause us to be annoyed by this or that person. That whatever makes this person an inconvenience to me, an irritation to me, uh, whatever makes them um, just unlikable to me, it's okay if I might not like them. That's natural, but I still have to love them for God's sake, and but it begins by loving God above all things. Now, and I've also heard some cop outs. Tommy, ever heard this where someone says like, "I have to love you, but I don't have to like you." Oh yeah, you know. And you hear that now. I, I, I'm not. I'm going to say that's kind of like imperfect contrition. Oh sure. Like I'm sorry because I don't want to go to hell. You know, it, it's like it's a start. Mm-hmm. I I love you, but I don't have to like you. 
Because I think that once you start to truly try to love those that we, you know, let's be honest, that we hate, mm-hmm. right? That we can't stand to be around, that right. really bother us. You know, I have call a me out, why don't you? Ask? <laughs> no, you can tell I have a problem with this. <laughs> you can tell I, I have a problem with this. But when we when we actually start to do this sort of selfless exercise of love in that way, we actually we're on our we're on a road. So if we just start with like, okay, all right, I'm not going to agree to like you. You still bother me, but I'm going to say I love you. And then you have to start start to live that. Well, okay, I suppose I need to spend a little more time or I need to allow them to do this or I need to open myself up to this or, and let's give them equal time here. And then you start to realize you're doing things. Then what what what's beautiful that happens is it's not always a, um, a one-way street where I have an enemy and I don't like that enemy and that's really all on me. Yeah. Because, you know, they may be jerks. Mm-hmm. But I'm telling you what ends up happening, it's been an experience in my own life, is like if I start to, I say force, wrong word, but if I really try hard to love them, yeah, they 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 pick up on it, and and love is a language, and all of a sudden they're like, they start to go like, man, what is going on here? Yeah. And 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 it, it can be transformative, and that's the way the Lord works in these relationships, mm-hmm. and that's how we can love even our enemies, because it's not just us loving them, even though. They're always, we think they're like evil and bad and, and hideous and they're never going to get. The thing is, things change. Yeah. Perceptions change and their perception of us might change. Mm-hmm. And it makes suddenly it's like, this person used to be my worst enemy, but now this person's one of my better friends or someone I really have, I've come to walk in their shoes and understand what was causing this friction. But you never know that if they're an enemy on the other side of the fence. Well, St. Therese of Lisieux, she defines charity. She says, uh, I now know that true charity consists in bearing our neighbor's defects, not being surprised by any weakness, but edified by the smallest virtue. You know, there were probably some some nuns around her going like, uh, I can't believe she well, said well, that. Well, no, no, it's funny because <laughs> there, was, there was one, there's a story that she tells, there's a right. nun, no one could stand her. It was hard for anyone, including Therese, to stand, but Therese was assigned to her and worked really hard with her, and that nun was like, why do you love me so much? And Therese looked at her and said, ah, because you remind me of Jesus. That is so powerful. And you know, I think that also describes like to a, to a T what we're talking about because I wouldn't be able to do that. That would be so hard for me. It'd be like, because you remind me of Jesus. You know, I would have been, <laughs> it would have been, it would have been ugly. I would have done it totally wrong. The reality is that's the transformative love I'm talking about. Yes. That when we love our neighbor in that way, uh, then it changes the world, right? And that's God saving the world in his love. So the theological virtues, faith, hope, and love, these three remain, but the greatest of these is love. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Holy Mary, Mary, Mother of God, God, pray pray for for us sinners, sinners, now and at the the hour hour of our our death. death. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. Visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com. You can also find us on iTunes or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association. Join us again at The Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.